What would have happened in Michael Schumacher's F1 career if he'd won a title for Ferrari earlier than 2000? How were McLaren going to handle having three drivers signed for 1996 if they hadn't dropped Nigel Mansell? Could James Hunt have made a comeback in the V10 era? And what if Jacques Villeneuve drove for Jordan in 1999? Those are just some of the incredible questions we'll be answering today from our wonderful members in this special Ask Us Anything episode of Bring Back V10s, exclusively for the Race Members Club. If you're listening to this in our main feed, you'll get a taster of this episode. And to hear the show in full, plus get plenty of Bring Back V10's bonus content and other benefits from the race, you can sign up to the Members Club at the-race.com forward slash Members Club. We've recently revamped the sign-up process so it's easier than it's ever been to join. And you'll get the added exclusive benefit of being able to comment on articles on our website and engage with our writers, which we've now made uh, only available to the members club and of course when series nine of bring back v10s appears over the horizon you'll get every episode early and ad free as a member so joining me glenn freeman to tackle your questions today are the tricky trio of ed straw matt beer and ben anderson and we'll also have a handful of questions answered by mark hughes so Ed, welcome along. Our members are used to sending in questions for you, Mark and Scott mitchell Marm, to answer on our post-race episodes of the Race F1 podcast. But which of their questions about the V10 era are you most looking forward to today? Well, there's no questions that really touch on the world of LaRousse, disappointingly. But there's one about a particularly badly named F1 event that I think will throw up a few fun stories later on. Uh- the Hungarian Grand Prix. What have you got against Hungary? <laughs> Too hot. Yeah. <laughs> ben, which question stands out for you? Yeah, there's some great hypothetical scenarios coming up. Uh, and I think my favourite is the could he or could he not return James Hunt question. That bastion of Formula One fitness and <laughs> relentlessness doing a Fernando Alonso when his career is long, long dead. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. To, uh, talking through that one yeah slight spoiler and ben's opinion on that question Uh, matt surely the only reason you're here is because we've got a nigel mansell question yeah it's about my favorite part of mansell's career as well so yeah that one is is popular with me there's a a mid-90s driver market sort of back marker end of the grid question that took my fancy as well Yeah, that's all right up your street. As well as getting Mark Hughes to answer some questions, as always, we had a fair few sent in for Gary Anderson. Gary is going to answer those, but he'll do it on the next exclusive Ask Gary episode in our Members Club feed. So keep your eyes out for that one where Ed will put your V10 questions to Gary. Talking of our members only podcast feed, we've got some more goodies lined up for you over there over the coming weeks. We've rummaged through the Bring Back V10's archives to dig out some uncut interviews that appeared only as snippets in our main shows. So you'll hear in full from Mario Andretti on his son Michael's F1 disaster, an in-depth chat with IndyCar reporter Kurt Cavin on what it was like covering Nigel Mansell's incredible 1993 season, several interviews with key people who featured in our epic episode on Williams dropping Damon Hill at the end of 1996, and a special chat I recently had with designer Jean-Claude Migio, the man responsible for the famous high-nose Tyrrell 019 and the infamous Ferrari F92A. Plus, we've already featured uh, an uncut interview Ed did with current Haas F1 boss Gunter Steiner about his time working with Red Bull when it took over Jaguar for 2005. And the thing I'm most excited to tell you about 
We're going to be launching a new exclusive series of mini episodes for our members where we revisit an entire F1 season race by race, recording an informal, light-hearted show about each Grand Prix from that year. We're really looking forward to going on a journey back through an entire F1 season in a slightly different style to our main episodes. And we hope as many of you as possible will join us in the Members Club feed when we kick that off. We don't have a launch date for it yet, but we'll keep you posted. Anyway, I think that's enough preamble. Let's get stuck into the questions you've sent in. Okay, first question comes from Marios, who says, in your opinion, which non-championship winning season was the best for each of the championship winners of the V10 era? To simplify this question slightly, uh, I've asked each of the guys to pick one champion each from the era. Ben, you can go first. Okay, yes, it's a tricky one. Good question. Uh, And there are a few good contenders close one thing. I'm going to go for Michael Schumacher, and his 1996 season, principally because obviously being a Damon Hill fan, I wasn't a big fan of Schumacher in his title-winning seasons. I was like, ah, yeah, the, but the Benetton was really good, perhaps a bit dodgy in 94, and then oh, I got better engine for 95, blah, 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 car. And then, of course, that Ferrari in 96, an absolute dog of a car, and Schumacher was amazing. Three wins, four pole positions. I mean, Irvine barely made the top 10 in the championship. So I had new fan respect, grudging respect for Michael Schumacher after that season. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, Ed, who have you gone for? Well, I was going to go with a fairly boring answer of Ayrton Senna's 89 season because he was very quick, <laughs> loads of pole positions, didn't have so many finishes, mostly not his fault. There are a few uh, incidents, but yeah, you probably say he was stronger than Prost over the course of the season. But then I suddenly thought, well, the obvious answer is Fernando Alonso's 2012 season yeah. <laughs> not quite fitting in the uh, not quite fitting in the bring back V10 era, but he's a bring back V10 era champion from 2005. Cheat. And no, not at all. Which non-championship winning season was the best for each of the championship winners of the V10 era? So yeah, Fernando yeah, Alonso's I'll 2012 allow it. I'll allow absolutely it on the technicality. works, and it was an extraordinary season. The Ferrari didn't start the season well. Trouble with the calendar exhaust, all sorts of wind tunnel troubles. It took them a bit of time to get the car sort of reasonable. I remember watching it in testing with Gary Anderson up at turn three, kind of the entry to turn three in Barcelona and getting it out of turn two and into turn three. It was just a horrible, disconnected experience. Just wasn't a stable car. And they got it to the point where it was reasonable, but it just required Alonso's relentlessness to put that season together. Only the fourth fastest car on average. It was absolutely... Alonso just doing the maximum with the car. He had a couple of start line wipeouts, Spa and Suzuka undid him, and a few strategy errors from uh, Ferrari. They might have won at Monaco without that. So strategy errors from Ferrari. I won't hear it. Exactly. <laughs> Funny that, isn't it? How things have changed. But yeah, uh, the, the reason I've gone slightly left field with it is I think that's such a strong non-championship winning season. It was worth putting in, even though you could argue it's not in the spirit of the question, but it's technically correct within the parameters of the question. So I'm sticking with it. Yep, I think we'll call that the Adrian Newey approach to uh, the to the rule book. There's nothing in there that says you can't do that, so you must be fine. Uh, Matt, are you going to uh, join in with the technicalities here, or are you going more Route 1? Uh, route 1, but whereas you two have gone for genuinely good champions having really famously good seasons, I've just, I'm not, <laughs> not going to argue this was the best, non, the best non-title winning season by a V10 era champion, but... Jacques Villeneuve's best non-title winning hang on, season. What, hang on, what was the first part of your answer? I'm suggesting Jacques Villeneuve is not in the same calibre as it and Senna, Michael <laughs> Schumacher and Fernando Alonso and you can fight me over that one but I don't, I, 
Fair. Know, I'm gonna walk. I'm gonna walk to Devon to find you. <laughs> <laughs> no grey yeah. area there. Yeah, yeah, I think exactly. that's move a on to the bit where you talk Jack up. <laughs> yeah. On. Okay. Um, Jack Villeneuve's 2000 season, I think, was his best non-title winning one. I think a lot of Villeneuve's non-title winning seasons were better than his title winning. Well, maybe not a lot. Some of them were definitely better than his title winning <laughs> season. Some of them were awful. Um, but in 2000, he was so impressive, hurling that BAR Honda around, getting some amazing starts and then sitting there in front of faster cars, going for some moves that shouldn't have worked didn't work trying it anyway he had such spirit that season that the idea of him being quite a hot property in the driver market there was talk of mclaren actually going for him instead of david coulthard for 2001 there was talk of him being who renault might build their takeover of benetton around in the end he stayed put with bar when he did get to renault it was it was quite bad but um that that 2000 season was a great time to be a villeneuve fan for a few months and he was really impressive yeah i think um I'd say from the second half of 98 through to really the end of 2000, I think Villeneuve drove really well through that time. I think he struggled in the first part of 98 to get used to the fact that Williams didn't have a good car. Then when they improved the car a bit and he got his head around the fact, okay, you're not fighting for wins. He, he drove really well in the second half of that season. He was quick in the fragile 99 BAR when it held together. Um, and as you say, had, had a good season in 2000 with the Honda powered car that was a bit, bit more reliable. It's, it's, it's ironic that he got BAR's first two podiums the following season in 2001, when I don't actually think he was driving as at as high a level by then, but they were kind of attritional or um, just, you know, just, just hanging on Spain. 2001 was certainly attritional. So by then the decline had kind of set in, but yeah, I think you're right. At the end of the nineties, I think he was still driving at a very high level, um, so that's a good Villeneuve mention, nice and early on that I didn't even have to have to force. Let's move on to the next question from Jordan Key, who says, "Imagine at the end of 2002, Mika Hakkinen decides his sabbatical is just that, and he decides to come back for 2003 in a fully motivated state of mind, replacing David Coulthard. Do you think he would have won the championship?" considering how close a raw Kimi Raikkonen got to achieving this. We thought we'd put this one to Mark Hughes. Mark couldn't join us for the full episode, but this was one of a handful of questions we wanted to get his insight on. So uh, let's hear what he said. Well, fully motivated would be the key because I think as well as just being generally tired of the grind and wanting to step away from F1 into a more relaxed lifestyle, a lifestyle that Mika really enjoyed actually, there was a psychological element to his retirement in 01, which related back to his near-death experience in Adelaide in 95. He had a big accident in practice 01 in Melbourne, which although he stepped away from unharmed, triggered uncomfortable parallels. It was a feeling that was gnawing away at him through that season. I think probably played its part in his patchy 2001 season when his peaks were as high as ever, but he didn't have his usual consistency. And he actually had to be talked out of retiring immediately in the middle of the Monaco Grand Prix by Ron Dennis. So there was a lot going on behind that decision to stop and possibly a lot, therefore, which would still have been going on if he came back after a year. But if you could wipe the mind and the subconscious blank of all that darkness and just inserted a fully motivated Hakkinen into that car, then I think he'd have been extremely closely matched with Raikkonen, who, although he was was only in his third year of F1, was not at all raw by then. He was he was a very rounded performer, but still with that real sting of speed. Peak, who could actually go faster when digging deep over one lap? I suspect that would be Hakkinen. And I once asked um, DC that question, because DC was teammates to both of them at McLaren. 
Mika Rakimi, and it was interesting that he fired back immediately with Mika. He said that once or twice a year, Mika would do a lap that made him think, oh my God, how is that even possible? When he, when he looked at the telemetry. Whereas Kimi said he never did that, but he was just always right there, relentless, like a machine, a performance machine that couldn't be worn down or deviated. That was his real strength. Um, would either of them have won the championship if you put them together in 03? I don't think so, because that big points total that Kimi took was partly because he didn't have a Mika there stealing points from him. They'd have taken points from each other, making Schumacher's title a little more comfortable than, uh, than it ended up being, I think. Okay, if you're listening to us in the main Bring Back V10s feed, that's all we have for you. Head to the-race.com forward slash members club if you'd like to sign up to hear the full episode and to get all that bonus material I talked about earlier. We'll put a link in the description of this episode as well to make the sign-up page even easier to find. And we hope to have you along to join us for the rest of this show very soon. Very soon.